after 32, 33 chapters of Deuteronomy, there is a huge climax, a huge apex that we're leading up to. What is it? We'll find out on this episode of Inverse. Coming to you from Silver Spring, Maryland, welcome to Inverse, a Bible-based conversation on life principles, contemporary issues, and thought-provoking perspectives. Now here's your host, Justin Kim, with Inverse. Hey friends, we're so happy that you decided to join us, the Inverse team, in studying the book of Deuteronomy. In the studio with me is Israel, Sebastian, and Jonathan. My name is Justin Kim, and we want to encourage you to go to inversebible.org and download our Bible study guides. We have been in 12 weeks in the book of Deuteronomy, and I want to ask my brothers here who are at, the, at our round table, how has been your experience thus far? When we first started, Deuteronomy was one of those, those kind of Bible books, yeah? Like, well, I don't know if we should go through it a lot of laws and a lot mm -hmm. of a lot of speeches uh, people True. dying mm -hmm. and then hey it's a much but what's been your, your takeaway after 12 weeks and now we're in our third week? Jonathan. Mm. Yeah, uh, to me, really, the, what I, I loved about this book is the, the focus on bringing out the character of God okay. and showing that He is merciful, gracious, kind, uh, that we see righteousness by faith highlighted in many, many aspects in different uh, any, various Any places. particular point that you can just kind of like, ding! And, and, yes, and I mean, the, 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 the appeal there. that Moses makes over and over to, okay. for the Israelites to give their hearts to God. Okay. You know, it's kind of something that you would expect more in the New Testament, but it's right here in the beginning. Yeah. Uh, he's appealing, give your hearts and your soul fully to God. It's a very hearty kind of, mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, like hearty, like, like bread hearty. <laughs> yeah. yeah okay, Pun intended. Yeah. Okay, all right. <laughs> Sebastian, anything that, that you can pinpoint in our trek? In um, I think uh, episode 11, just about God is your life. God um, is your life. Mm -hmm. And Jews. And, and thinking about that that concept of choice and yes. realizing how relationship and that's ultimately what it yeah. means. Yeah, yeah, I love that. That, too. Is, that is another apex, uh, kind of a smaller mountain, but towards the end, but we're going right. to hit another mountain heading, at the yeah. end. Yeah. Heading that's towards good. there. Yeah, Israel. The Canaanites. Uh, what about the Canaanites? That episode really impacted me. Yeah. Because it shows how God invested so much in Israel and what He did mm -hmm. to the Canaanites, but He's motivated by the same thing, mm -hmm. which is to show as Jonathan already said, his character to the world around him. Mm -hmm. yeah. Hey, so I've known you for, well, like 20 years now, and I'm when, when I've never asked you this, or maybe I haven't, I've forgotten, but like in the book of Deuteronomy, the name of Israel comes out a lot. Yeah. Like when you're reading it, do you, do you, are you numb to that? Or do you sometimes feel like God is like, Israel, <laughs> like, you know, going right yeah. to you? No, that's funny that you asked that, because uh, when, when I was uh, younger, because mm. I'm still young, Jonathan, it seems as so it seems as though um, it seems as though the pastor at church would always preach about the Israelites, yeah. mm -hmm. and so I actually I turned my my ears off to that because oh, so Israelite in Spanish sounds feminine, and so all my friends would be like, "Oh, you're an Israelite," you know, which would mean that I'm a feminine Israel. Oh, okay. And so I hated it. I hated my name. I hated you know my name of the Bible until yeah. <laughs> I found I discovered its meaning, and then. But no, I, I haven't read So you're still it. numb to that? Yeah, I'm still a little bit. <laughs> just curious. We'll, we'll pray for the Holy Spirit to continue working you. on your appreciate work. that. All right, let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 33, 33. And we're looking at uh, the final apex here. Moses is about to die. And in typical Asian fashion, Near East or Far East, uh, he gathers everyone together and he gives his final speech. Mm -hmm. And then there's, there's a lot of, of juiciness here, if you will. So Israel, if you can pray for us, and we'll get into the text afterwards. Father in heaven, we are approaching the end of this book, which is the time in which things wrap up and charges are given. And Lord, we pray that you would give us the ability to apply this scripture to our lives today. Mm -hmm. 
that we might be uh, individuals who live lives that reflect your character to the world around yeah. us. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Uh, we're going to Deuteronomy 33. We're going to go there, and he does address each of the tribes. We're going to look at those a little bit more in depthly, but we want to go to kind of the the, the conclusion mm -hmm. of that that speech. Mm -hmm. Sebastian, if you can read from verse 26 to verse 29, please. 26 to 29. There is no one like the God of Jeshurun, who rides the heavens to help you, and in his excellency on the clouds. The eternal God is your refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms. He will thrust out the enemy from before you, and will say, destroy. Then Israel shall dwell in safety, the fountain of Jacob alone, and a land of grain and new wine. His heavens shall also drop dew. Happy are you, O Israel. Who is like you, a people saved by the Lord, the shield of your help and the sword of your majesty? Your enemies shall submit to you, and you shall tread down their high places. Very good. So, Jonathan, what's going on here? Yeah. Uh, can you share some some insight? On no, I just I, I'm not gonna lie. I had goosebumps just now. Sebastian mm. was reading this because mm -hmm. this, you know, I'm, I'm imagining Moses. He is, you know, final this words. is his final words, mm -hmm. and he. This is a beautiful. This is a beautiful conclusion. You know, I love verse 26. There is no one like the God of Jeshurun. That's a that's a, a, a term of uh, talking about Israel in a very endearing way. This is kind of like God's, you know, um, how do you say this in English? Pet name or like yeah, yeah nickname, 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 yeah, affectionate yeah. Name, for yeah. for affectionate name for for the people of Israel, and 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 it shows that God, you know. Verse 27, eternal God is your refuge. Underneath are the everlasting arms. Uh, he takes care of you. So Moses' final point is God will take care of you. He is your God. You're close to his heart. Happy are you, verse 29, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so I think Moses understood that it's all about that relationship with God. And so in his final, final words, he says, people of Israel, this is your God. Stay with Him. You know, He's going to work through you. He's going to bless the whole world through mm -hmm. you. There's something powerful about, uh, I, I, in a weird way, I do enjoy funerals, if mm -hmm. that makes sense. Uh, in Ecclesiastes, it's better as the house of mourning than the house of feasting. Mm -hmm. You know, you go to a birthday party and you have fun. That's great, mm -hmm. but you're just hanging out and, and you leave and you're like, oh, that was a fun time. But at funerals, and I'm not talking about the sadness and the, and the, and the, the right. horror part, mm -hmm. but you, when you can reflect on another person's life. Yes. And then you see kind of as they draw the point of, of death, if, if they're lucky to still be um, cognitive, right. you know, their, their words hold so much gravitas yes. to them and so much meaning. It's almost the yep. closest we can get, humans can get to inspiration, right? I mean, yep. like you're saying your final words and then you die and people are left with that impression. Right. Um, Sebastian, what, what is going on with, with Moses? Why does he bring in the 12 tribes here and, and describe some of that element there? Well, I think you, you have the fact that Moses is departing right as the leader. He understands there's going to be a transition, which is mentioned in the book, right, for him to affirm Joshua to lead the people. Yeah. And so he's kind of giving his final blessing, right, which beckons back to Jacob also blessing his son. Yeah, he did the he same thing. He run into mm -hmm. 12 and did the same thing. Exactly. So yeah. he's like, all right, guys, I'm going to give you different blessings. And these blessings were also prophetic mm -hmm. about realities that were coming down the line, yeah. right? And, and understanding where, in a very weird way, like giving almost a prophetic role to a family fatherly type figure like mm -hmm. your family 
that seems so small and insignificant compared to the world is actually playing a huge, important role in the salvation history of the universe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so it's, it's a little bit crazy for the person to be dying. And in that moment, it's like God is giving the person who's blessing a certain level of hope and vision, but at the same token, passing down something to that next generation to say, as I leave, there's a certain level of continuity mm-hmm. and God is that continuity. Mm-hmm. What strikes me about the conclusion of this text is the fact that the, the person, the person himself, right? I mean, you think about just of the Moses. life. Uh, yeah, the okay. person of Moses. Mm-hmm. You think about just the journey that Moses has gone through, mm-hmm. right? From the very beginning of his birth, he was used by God, right? Because mm-hmm. he was a beautiful baby. He was almost killed by crocodiles and alligators or whatever, right? You know, in the Nile River. <laughs> in the Nile River, man. Okay, okay, you know, okay. Yeah. Crocodile Nile. We got you, we got right? you. Justin <laughs> missed from, it. From, yeah. Prince of Egypt. Yeah, Prince of Egypt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, so, you know, from the very beginning of his... In the verse. Yeah, from the very beginning of his, from the very beginning of his life, you know, he's, he's, he's been set aside for God to use, right? And now you're, you're reaching all the way to the end of his life, the very final moments of his life. And it's like, God is still squeezing out of him, Mm -hmm. you know, the last ounces of usage that he's going to get from this person. Mm. And so you think about just the life of Moses, every aspect of his life was dedicated and consecrated to God. Yeah. It was in his mind, the vision was his to be able to reach the promised land. I mean, that was the purpose for why he existed. Mm-hmm. And now he can't make it, you know, because of one uh, recorded mistake that he made that God said, you're not going to go. And and with, with, with this in mind, this old man who has his one desire to enter the promised land and now cannot enter it because of these people, mm-hmm. He has no regrets. He's got no ill feelings against bitterness, them, yeah. no bitterness. And instead, he blesses them, mm-hmm. right? And, and if you go to the next chapter, it talks about how the only, the singular reason why Moses dies is because God allows him to die. You know, it's, mm, it's right. not because of old age. It's not because of sickness. It's not because of any other reason except that God wants him to die. God's allowing him to die. Mm. And, and yet, within these circumstances, which are very, very sad, right? What he has left to give is blessings to the, the, the children of Israel. And to me, it's just, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's inspiring, it's sad, it's happy, it's all of these things at the same time. Yeah. yeah, just to reference in chapter 34, verse 7, the Bible says that Moses was 120 years old when he died. Wow. And I love this. His eyes were not dim, nor his mm-hmm. natural vigor diminished. Mm-hmm. 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 It was that close with God that uh, even yeah. at the elderly age, he was still, you know, throwing that football into the end zone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> you know, I mean, and, you know, as Israel, as you were sharing about Moses, it's just um, amazing to see what God was able to do through this one man who made himself available, you know. Uh, yes, there were some ups and downs. I mean, he was a murderer. Uh, he he did, did try on his own, right, when yeah. he was young to fulfill the calling that God had given him. But then he was humble enough, spent 40 years <laughs> you take care of sheep and and had that incredible you know experience at 80 years old with uh, the burning bush and all that but it's beautiful to see not only what can happen when we stay humble but also when we make ourselves willing to be used by God he started his major ministry at 80 years old mm-hmm. okay 80 mm-hmm. years uh, what an inspiration uh, even to you know to, to elderly people today uh, and I mean this like I, I really think that uh, we can still learn so much from them but then also God is willing to use yeah. people of old 
old age. Yeah. yeah. So Israel, there's still hope for you now. Yeah, that, there is. <laughs> I put myself in there. For that. Justin and I are the same age. So let's actually go to chapter 33 and look at the actual elements of what Moses shares. Sebastian? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was just going to bring out the fact that you see a huge, you know, portion of the chapter given to Joseph and Levi, right, mm. as individual tribes. So when you go to um, Deuteronomy 33 and verse 8, it mm -hmm. says, and of Levi, he said, and it just continues on for a significant portion. And with Joseph, it's dealing with this sort of rulership. And these things seem to have greater significance than what they are suggesting immediately. So, for example, when it says um, down to verse 10, it says they shall teach Jacob your judgments and Israel your law. They shall put incense before you and a whole burnt, offer, burnt sacrifice on your altar. Bless his substance, Lord, and accept the work of his hands. Strike the lines of those who rise and of those who hate him, that they rise not again. Mm -hmm. So this emphasis on the priestly work of what Levi was pointing to mm -hmm. and going back to what we said earlier about the sanctuary and the feast days representing this sort of prophecy or parable for salvation. Okay, Sebastian, hold that thought. We've got to take a break now. This is Inverse. I'm Justin Kim. We'll be see you after the break. Has Inverse been a blessing to you? Do you have questions, comments, or feedback you'd like to leave us? Find us on social media by searching Inverse Bible on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube. While there, join us, like us, heart us, thumbs up us. Our handle again is Inverse Bible, no spaces. Now, back to the discussion. We're in the last chapter of Deuteronomy, and Moses calls all 12 tribes together, and he has special words for each of them. Sebastian, what does he say to the tribe of Levi? So what you, what you also notice to really hone in on is when they were tested, it says in, in verse 9, this is what Levi said about the rest of its brethren, to mm. set it apart from the rest of the tribes mm -hmm. in terms of the covenant. So it says at the end of verse 9, for they observed your word and kept your covenant, and this related at the beginning of the verse by saying of his father and mother, I have not seen him, seen them, nor did he acknowledge his brothers or know his own children. And this is curiously familiar, right, to Christ being there in his ministry and his family coming. And they're like, oh, your mother and your cousins and your family are here. And he's like, well, who is my father? Who is my mother? These who do the will of my father. Mm. And, and this is essentially where Levi represented a faithful individual amidst, right, as a tribe amidst the other tribes of Israel, when they rebelled, this person was willing to stay faithful. Yeah, I'm thinking of the, was it the golden calf incident? Yes. Uh, one of the incidents in, in the Pentateuch where, yeah. where they apostatized, right? Yeah. And they apostatized and Moses calls them to faithfulness. Faithful. And it was the tribe of Levi that yep, came to. He said, who's on the Lord's side? Yeah. Right? And yeah. Levite, the Levites came yeah. and said, listen, we're not willing to sacrifice our faithfulness to the covenant mm. in on, on the altar of our relationship with our brothers. Mm -hmm. So I'm on the Lord's side. I'm not on the human side. I'm on wherever side Jesus is yeah. on. That's the side I'm on. That's right. That's and right. Jesus did the same thing in his ministry and life. Mm -hmm. Okay. Any yeah. elements on the tribe of Levi? Yeah. Well, yeah, as Sebastian was saying, this kind of alludes or it gives picture to the fact that there is the Messiah that's coming. And that's what I, what, what I love about these blessings that they point forward to the fact that there is going to be someone better than Moses mm -hmm. that's coming, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. That there's going to be not just a prophet, but a greater prophet, a greater king, someone who is more faithful. And all of these are allusions to the fact that Christ himself was faithful among his brethren. Mm -hmm. And through his faithfulness, we are saved. That he was king, that he would rise up and he would be king over his people. And because of his kingship, we would also be, you know, um, part of the 
part of the royal family of heaven. Mm -hmm. And so these blessings in the book of Deuteronomy that, 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 um, that are given to the tribes, they're not just blessings, but as I think Sebastian said earlier, they also have some kind of a eschatol eschatological context or, or picture, prophecy, prophecy. For the last days yes. component. Yep. Mm -hmm. uh, that, are, that are depicting the coming of Christ, the coming of the Messiah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Jonathan? Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's interesting to see also the parallel uh, in Genesis, between uh, you know, Deuteronomy 33 and Genesis 49. In okay. Genesis you know, uh, 49, we Where have Jacob's last Jacob's words, Jacob's last words, Moses' last words, Moses last words. Jacob's blessing the 12, uh, his 12 sons. Mm -hmm. And he also brings out here the kingly aspects of, of you know, in Judah, the, the scepter will not you know, depart from you, mm -hmm. uh, Shiloh will come. These are all prophecies pointing forward to the ministry and the work of the Messiah. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it's interesting how God utilizes the lives of these individuals, the stories of these individuals to, to teach the people of Israel mm -hmm. about the ministry of the Messiah, mm -hmm. his kingly aspects. And then in Deuteronomy 33, if you can check out, uh, you know, um, Joseph's uh, section. Joseph section here, yep. starting in verse 13 and forward, uh, especially I want to point to verse 16. Yep, go for it. It says, with the precious things of the earth and its fullness and the favor of him who dwelt in the bush, really interesting here, uh, reference to the burning bush, mm -hmm. and let the blessing come on the head of Joseph and on the crown of the head of him who was separate from his brothers. Now this is here mm -hmm. when we know to look at the story of Joseph, you know, he was sold into slavery into Egypt and and God utilized him there, but he, Joseph went through a fair amount of suffering and tragedy and, and, and you know, I mean, really a hardships, uh, mm -hmm. undeservedly. He did not deserve any of these things. Right. And this is also here, through this story, we, we, it's pointing us to the suffering of Christ. Mm -hmm. He will, you know, he separated, he was separated from the ones that he came to save in order to save them. He was separated uh, in his right. death uh, from his father, from us, uh, because he took upon himself. And, and I see that mm -hmm. as parallel, yeah. right, to Levi, because here's Levi saying, I'm not going to acknowledge them, right, mm -hmm. in order to be faithful to God, right. versus this is a separateness in order to save you. Yes. So we see this as a parallel between mm. Christ's life and also Christ's death, mm -hmm. right? And, and this is where someone reading this book, right, who doesn't know the Gospels, right, as in Deuteronomy, they're mm -hmm. listening to this the first time, they may not fully grasp the significance significance, right? Because these events have not taken place yet. Mm -hmm. um, but you can just tell now we can look back and see like, yes, they didn't even get the fact that Moses was being prophetic. Yeah, mm -hmm. he was blessing them, but he was also looking forward. And, mm -hmm. and this is this is an interesting way. This is maybe not so natural to us in the modern day and age that we are in. But this is God's way of teaching his people. You know, uh, it, you know, some people might think like, well, how is this pointing to the Messiah? These are it's kind of like little glimpses, little flashes of, of more that is to come. Mm -hmm. We, we see this, you know, through the concept in theology, you call it progressive revelation. Mm. As time continues throughout the Old Testament and New Testament, God reveals more and more. So, you know, God doesn't just blast a flash, you know, massive light at you with all the, all the things. He gradually helps you understand. And so he gradually, he introduces the ministry of the Messiah. He talks about, you know, uh, Moses said, one like me is going to come, mm, right? right. Uh, a prophet like me, okay, is it not a prophet? Is it Joshua? Who is it? And then as you look at throughout the Old Testament, you get more and more insights, you know, have Elijah. God used, utilizes the story of Elijah to talk about, you know, future ministry of John the Baptist and the preparation for the Messiah. So God uses stories and individuals' lives in the Old Testament to to highlight aspects of the ministry of the Messiah. And this is something important to understand as you read through the Old Testament, you will well, get can, more and more I of these plans. Why, why uh, and I appreciate the explanation. That mm -hmm. makes really makes sense of the Bible, that progressive revelation I appreciate. Why, why does God 
God do that? Why, why doesn't God do the spotlight? And then mm -hmm. I guess the second question that comes to mind is uh, he does this progressive revelation mm -hmm. and the Jews, did they, they didn't even get it. Uh, when Jesus came, right? Well, I think uh, they didn't recognize yeah. him. So, the, how do we reconcile that the, fact? The, mm -hmm. Because here we have the what's the purpose of prophecy, mm. right? What's the purpose of God revealing Himself? And and many times we, we, which we have the same mistake, not just the Jews, not just the Israelites, we make the same mistakes in that we our understanding of knowledge is cognitive. Mm, we right. want to know, and that's why you know we, when we read the Bible, um, many times we're like, I need to know Daniel Revelation so that I can know who six 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 is and what the mark of the beast is because. <laughs> Right. When they insert that chip, I'm going to say no, you know, and and so we it's think not a chip, by the it's way. not a yeah, chip, right? Right? Yeah, but yeah. yeah. well, that's what we think, <laughs> okay, right? Yeah, yeah. And so and so the the concept is that we think that knowledge will save us. Yeah. That if we get to the right source so that's of truth. the presupposition yeah. already in mind. Yes. And, that, and we're expecting something yeah. out of it in our Bible study. Right. Okay. And so, and, and when you look at the, 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 the means by which, as Jonathan was saying, the means by which prophecy is given, mm -hmm. by which instruction is given, it's intermingled, deeply rooted with experience, yes. right? Prophecy here is given in the form of the words of a dying man. Right in in Nebuchadnezzar, right uh, in Daniel chapter two, prophecy is given within the context of a man who is anxious is about anxious it. about the future in yeah. times of success. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's living in the most successful time. He's still anxious, meaning that even all of the resources of this world cannot cure your anxiety. Right. Only a relationship with Christ can cure that. Mm -hmm. And so the purpose of prophecy has always been to little by little teach us moment by moment to live with Christ now mm. so that in the future we will be prepared come what may, right? Yep. And that's what, that's what I think Deuteronomy portrays to us, that mm -hmm. prophecy has a personal purpose. Yes. And that is to live out the life of Christ, His character, day by day. So let's let's broaden that out. And I, I appreciate that. I mean, that was, that was a powerful point. Mm -hmm. uh, I think we need to be very careful, not quick to judge mm -hmm. Jews about, hey, all this happened and they didn't get it. Uh, they messed up Jesus. We yeah. are living on the other side of that, right, but we yeah. can learn the lessons from them because we're waiting for the second coming of Jesus. Right, yeah. Same exact motives. What are the dangers that, that we can fall into? Uh, maybe what, what same things can we repeat that the Jews I, uh, missed? I, I think <laughs> one of the, the immediate things that comes to my mind is in the in the the bright light of current revelation right having mm -hmm. the gospels having the bible having yes, the missionary yes. stories is that we can become overly comfortable and they mm -hmm. say that familiarity breeds contempt mm -hmm. where we start believing that we always have time mm -hmm. yeah. right and this goes back to nebuchadnezzar versus his grandson belshazzar mm -hmm. it's like the handwriting's on the wall and you mm -hmm. still don't get it mm -hmm. right it's like before it was a dream. I can't even remember the dream. Help me. We get to the point where God's like, I'm going to write it on the wall for everybody to see. Yeah. And you're still not getting it because in your heart, for some reason, you're not willing to learn from the mistakes of those who went before us. Mm. And sometimes I think we being having received so much new light and information that they didn't have in Deuteronomy, we, we assume that God's going to give us the same type of experience, mm -hmm. but they didn't have the same level of life. Mm -hmm. So we can easily fall into that stiff neckness, that yes, sort of yes. stubborn, comfortable, oh, there's always manna, but eventually God's going to stop sending the manna. Mm -hmm. Well, there's always a cloud. Well, eventually I'm going to take away the cloud because mm -hmm. that was never the goal. Yes. And I think we can fall into that same situation. If, Jonathan, if I may just defend the Jews here for a moment, I don't think that God's intention, of, cor of course his intention is he wants to save everybody, but he also knows that not everybody will be saved. And there were Jews who did get it. Okay. I think of Simeon. Yes. Uh, oh, I, I think of that Anna. Yes, yes, I yes. think of Zechariah and others 
who were looking forward to the Messiah. Yes. And, and, John the and Baptist and his John Baptist. movement. Yes. So there, there were people, mm -hmm. and this is a concept we f find introduced really from the beginning on, that there's always a remnant yeah. who does get it and is faithful. Mm -hmm. And that concept continues even to this day. I mean, I think of Revelation talks about that in the last days, there will be a remnant uh, who is understanding prophecy, but understanding prophecy in the, in the way that you were explaining, in a relational way that it transforms my life and leads me to faithfulness and the love, love connection with God. So mm -hmm. I just wanted, wanted to defend yes, that. Yes, no, we that appreciate that. There, there was awesome, faithfulness awesome. even then, uh, and, and there is, we are called to faithfulness even today. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. There is a danger to study prophecy for information yeah. and mm. just for, you know, hey, I need to get more gasoline and get more water and stock my basement and I'm going to survive the second coming. Right. <laughs> yeah. The earth is going to be destroyed, but I'm going to be the only one that survives it. Yeah. There's something wrong with that kind of mentality, yeah. and I, I, I appreciate that. Yeah, a much. lot wrong with that. What I appreciate about the life of Moses is that as you see his experience, as you see what he's learned in life, something that emerges is the fact that the, the most important lesson that he's learned is to trust God, mm -hmm. which is the purpose of prophecy, right? To teach us to trust God. I know the end from the beginning. I've got the power to move kings and put them down. Mm -hmm. Learn to trust God. And, and, and this is applicable to you and to me today because it teaches us that God is willing to use the ordinary. Mm -hmm. Israel was ordinary. Moses was ordinary, right? At the same time, he wasn't ordinary. Yeah. And this is the, the, constant, the constant tension that exists between God's people and himself, that he uses an Israelite nation, which is kind of at the very bottom of, of, of every other nation, and somehow exalts them. Mm -hmm. But in exalting them, Actually, they're pointing to, he's pointing to himself, that God uses Moses, who's a good guy, right? A beautiful baby, but about to die, right? But then he uses him, lifts him up to the highest level, right? To the, the biggest yeah, nation, society. yeah. And then brings him down, has him unlearn, you know, everything in the wilderness. And then concludes to this very point, right? That God uses him to be the greatest, one of the greatest of all prophets. Mm -hmm. And the lesson for you and for me is that it's good to be ordinary because God uses that mm -hmm. ordinary people though we may be to point others to who he is, which is a God of love, a God of faithfulness and a God of power. It's cool that these ordinary people later on in Revelation, this priest king motif is given to all of God's people. Right. And this is the, the really the apex of all of the Bible that God wants a people who are priest kings, queen, priestesses, intercessors who are with him and reigning with God eternally. That's our prayer here at Inverse. Hopefully that's your prayer. Thanks, joining, thanks for joining us here in this entire 13-week segment on the book of Deuteronomy. Next week, we're looking at the book of Hebrews. That, that elaborates more on these priest kings, the Lord Jesus Christ. See you next week. listening to Inverse, a Bible-based conversation with Callie Williams, Israel Ramos, Jonathan Walter, Sebastian Braxton, Siku Dako, and your host, Justin Kim. 
Inverse is brought to you by the Hope Channel, television that changes lives. For this and more inspiring episodes, visit inverse.hopetv.org. Find us on social media, hashtag Inverse Bible. Until next time, this is Inverse.